Good morning, Chapel. How's everybody this morning? Everybody doing well? Hey, listen, before we get started today, I wanted to just take a few moments, and that's why I asked Jason just to hang with me for just a second. I do want us to uh, pray uh, for what's happening over in Europe and what's happening with those who are uh, just in very tumultuous times right now. And, uh, you know, being across the, the water on this side, uh, you know, we see, see it from afar. And, um, and we sometimes kind of get caught up in our own way of doing things here and, and we don't think it affects us. But I promise you, there's, if, you know, the Bible says that we have to pray for all believers everywhere. And uh, so I want us to right now, I want us to pray. And, uh, and remember this too, that we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers. This is what this is about. This is a power struggle in the heavens. And so I want us right now, I want us to pray for the church in the Ukraine. I want us to begin to pray for all the believers there, the pastors, the leaders there for wisdom uh, and guidance because I believe a great revival can come out of, how many believe that? Because I believe there's a move of God that is, that is right here on the, on the, on the right, we're right at the edge of a, of a mighty move of God. And I want us to begin to pray into that because I know that, that God wants to do something there. God wants to do something there. We want to pray for the leaders and the, and the believers. We also want to pray for the world leaders that are, that are in the process of making decisions here and pray God's will be done. Let his kingdom come and let his will be done. Would you bow your heads right now? Let's pray together. Father, in the name of Jesus, come on, I want you to pray with me. I don't want you to just spectate in prayer. I want you to really dig deep right now and begin to pray for believers over in the Ukraine. Father, right now, God, we just thank you, God, for the, Father, for this moment where we can pray and agree together with other believers across the globe. God, praying for the nation of Ukraine. God, praying for those, God, that are, are dealing with this, this, this very tumultuous moment, God, where, where we believe, God, that you're going to uh, bring goodness out of, out of their pain. And Lord, I just believe, Father, for the, the, the churches in Ukraine. God, I just thank you, God, for, for, for your blessing on their life. God, that they would not grow weary in doing good and believing in faith. God, I just pray you stir their faith in this moment. God, that they, Father, that they, Father, are, 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 are moving forward in their, their gospel message. Lord God, that they would not grow weary in this moment, but God, they would stay the course and believe in faith. God, that, that you're going to bring this moment to pass. And so, Lord, I just pray protection. I plead the blood of Jesus over everyone there. God, I just, and in Jesus' name, I pray for wisdom and guidance for these leaders. God, in the church as well as in the, the nations. God, I pray, Father, that uh, the nations around, uh, Father, that area, God, that they would make wise choices and wise decisions. And Lord, we just believe that your will will be done and your kingdom will come. Come on, believe with me, church. Let his will be done. And let his kingdom come. Let your will be done, God. And let your kingdom come in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen, amen, amen. We just believe God's going to do some great things. Hey, listen, how many of you just enjoyed the, the Masterclass series so far? Hasn't it been an amazing uh, last few weeks? Uh, I, I am uh, honored to be able to just share with you today, as Pastor Bobby said, he is with one of our radiant church plants over in Huntsville. Some friends of ours are planning a church, and we want to continue to pray for them and believe God's going to do some great things through their ministry. 
uh, but just be praying for them uh, today as well. But I am, I am honored to be able to share just a little bit of what uh, God has placed in my heart. But over the last few weeks, I know R.T. Kendall set the stage. Dr. R.T. Brought, brought the word and set the stage for just a wonderful uh, series uh, getting started with the Sermon on the Mount. And um, Pastor Bobby, over the last two weeks, has done an amazing job just dissecting the word and, and really taking us deeper uh, over the last couple of Beatitudes. And uh, guys, guys, you realize that this is what this is all about. It's about going deeper in the Word of God. It's about exercising your faith in God's Word and trusting in Him and believing that, that you can grow in your, in your knowledge and understanding of what He was really trying to say in those, in those Scriptures. But you can't just get that on a Sunday morning. I'm going to say that you, you don't just get this going deeper. If you want to go deeper, you don't just go deeper on a Sunday morning. You have to discipline yourself to get into God's Word. See, the whole idea of us bringing these, these truths of God's Word to light on a Sunday morning is for you to take those words and go deeper yourself. You know, many times we think, well, I'm going to get, I'm going to get the Word today. They're going to bring the Word. They're going to preach the Word. And that's, that's true. That's a step in the right direction. But you are supposed to take those things and apply those truths to your life. You're not, not only supposed to be hearers of the Word of God, but what doers of the Word of God. And I'm not here to talk about works, but I am here to talk about grace. The grace that empowers you to discipline yourself in the Word of God. You know, there's going to be struggles in your life where you're going to fight, you know, the will to get up that morning and read the Word of God and pray and seek His face because we get adapted to our own uh, our culture that says, hey, we're just going to hand it to you on a silver platter, right? And you're just going to take it. But many times, church, we live in a very lazy culture. How many believe that? Very lazy. Just give it to me. I go to McDonald's and then I'm mad because they didn't put, they, they put something on it they shouldn't have put on there. And I'm just, I'm like, that's frustrating. And we want it right now. We want it. Give it to me now. Give it to me now. And, and see, that's the kind of culture we've been living in. We've been not really adapting to discipline. We've been adapting to laziness. And that's the kind of culture that we've adapted to. You, so you look at the Sermon on the Mount, and you realize when, when Jesus was coming and delivering this message to the masses, he was bringing a counterculture idea. Because the whole idea of this message was counter to what they had believed in and what they had thought about and what they had even discovered in their life up till that point. And so, so he's bringing this counterculture idea. And you realize that the Jewish people for centuries had been praying for a Messiah. They've been praying for a Savior. They've been praying for someone to come and save them from the tyranny of this Roman Empire. And so... All along, they've been praying and, and seeking God for this Savior, this Messiah. But they were not only seeking the Lord for a Messiah, but they were also seeking for a kingdom that would come and rescue them from this tyranny and this empire that had been built around them. You know, see, kingdoms rise and kingdoms fall. But see, Jesus didn't come to destroy the Roman Empire. He came to deal with the empire that you had built inside of you. 
I'm going to say that again. He came to deal with the empire that was built inside of you and me, the culture that we had adapted to. And so you can imagine the disciples. I mean, just think with me for a moment. You imagine the disciples. They, they had been hearing this their whole life, that there would be a Savior, there would be a Messiah that would come and rescue them from the tyranny uh, and the, 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 the oppression that they were under, under the Roman Empire. And here is Jesus, and he comes out to preach this message to the masses. And the first thing he says is what? Blessed are the poor in spirit. What? Are you kidding me? I mean, anyone that's going to overthrow a government, it's going to be somebody with force. It's going to be somebody that comes in strong and powerful and bold. And he says the first celebration and the first congratulations, as Dr. R.T. said, Congratulations to those who are poor in spirit, for they will inherit the kingdom of God. That does not make sense. It's so counterculture. So I, I can't get my mind around. I can't think. And then he says, blessed are those who mourn. Are you kidding me? Mourn? I mean, that's not how you overthrow a government. That's not how you. And so they couldn't get out of their mind. I thought you were coming to save us. And he said, I am. I'm coming to save your soul. I'm coming to rescue you from you. I'm coming to deal with what's inside of you. And so many times we think it's, it's, a, it's a polar opposite. How many of you have lived your life and you thought a thing was a certain way and then when you got older you realized it wasn't that way? You know, anybody, anybody with me this morning? Come on, raise your hand. It just wasn't that way. Here for an example, throw this image up here. Everybody knows what this is, right? It's an oven, right? There's a drawer that goes at the bottom. Well, all my life, I thought this drawer was for, for pans and cookie sheets. It was to keep the food warm. Am I the only one in this room that knew? I may be. But I, I never knew that was what it was for. I thought it was for cookie sheets and flat pans. Anybody, okay, anybody with me? All right, I am not the, the dumbest person in here, okay? And then there's this one. Go to the next image. So I thought, I mean, obviously, this, my kids could drink their weight in this stuff when they were younger, right? It was the juice box, right? And anytime you wanted to get them to shut up, what did you do? You gave them a juice box, okay? Just be quiet here. But the problem that we had with our first few kids, we have four kids, the first few kids we had, we would give them the juice box, and they would grab the juice box, and what would they do? You put the straw in it, and then they would do what? Squeeze it. And then here you are having to change their clothes every few hours because they would get the juice box, and it would just squirt all over them. Did you know that the flap that's on the sides of those things, that's what that was for? Am I the only one? It was about kid number three that we realized that's what that's for, Right? Okay, man, you guys are going to have to wake up this morning. Hey, amen, amen back there. Wow. Hello? Praise God. Do I need to go to another mic? Hello? Okay, we there. Praise God. Just wanted to see if y'all were listening. <laughs> I'm going to drink on that right now. 
But there's so many things in our life. I don't even know where to go from here. There's so many things that happen that you, you think things are a certain way. And then when you get older, you realize it wasn't that way. And I can imagine how these disciples have felt. All their lives they were thinking, okay, he's coming in. He's going to come in with power. He's going to come in with all this force. And we're going to see this Roman Empire destroyed and demolished. And we're going to be able not only to see a Savior and a Messiah to rescue us from that, but here was the other thing. They also, like I said, they were anticipating a kingdom that he would rule and reign, but also that they would rule and reign in. So it became almost like this idea of we're going to see them overthrown, and then out of their pride and arrogance, they would be able to stand up and say, I'm going to reign as well. And God didn't come to deal with that kingdom. He came to deal with the kingdom inside of you. And his kingdom he was talking about, as we know, the kingdom was not of this world. The kingdom that he was talking about was was a kingdom of heaven. And he was also dealing with the, the, the blessings that come with the citizens of this kingdom. He was talking about the blessing and rewards that would come. And so blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are the mo- those who mourn. And then today... In Matthew chapter 5, go ahead and grab your Bibles. Matthew chapter 5, we're going to continue with this other blessing, this other reward. And it says this in Matthew chapter 5, verse 5. It says, blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are the meek. For they shall inherit the earth. Let me pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, thank you for the opportunity to just share the word of God today. And God, as we do every week, we invite you, Holy Spirit, into this room. But we ask, Holy Spirit, you would come in a special way. Make the word come alive to us today. Father, we, we just believe that you're here in this place with us. And we ask, Holy Spirit, to just ignite the word Ignite the word inside of us, God. Ignite this word, God, to make it true to us. Make it real to us. And we just ask that you make it come alive in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. Amen. The meek. Blessed are the meek. What is the meek? You know, I was was talking to my son this week, and my son said, what are you preaching on Sunday? Dad, I said, the meek. He said, what's a meek? Right? Right? We don't use that terminology anymore, right? I mean, who uses the meek? And so, do I need to go to the, are we good? Okay, praise God. Keep giving me the thumbs up. We'll get through it. But the meek. And so you look at at that, that word and we never use that word anymore. It's very rare to be ever use the word meek. And what the word meek actually means is it's about humility. Bless, blessed are those who are humble. Blessed are those who are surrendered and humble. And then they will inherit the earth. You know, God immediately dealt with not only their culture, but he dealt with their perspective. He started to conform their way of thinking. He wanted them to understand that if you're going to receive the blessings of God and the rewards of God, then you're going to have to renew your way of thinking. 
you're going to have to renew your mind because there's certain patterns that have been established in your mind that it's going to take time to reestablish those things. And humility is one of those things. He wanted them to see that humility is, is very important for the kingdom of God and for you to be able to accomplish all the things that you have laid before you. You know, meek, meekness sometimes can get confused with the idea that if someone's meek, maybe you think they're laid back or maybe they're chilled out or just chilled and, and not really uh, assertive, if you will. But the truth is, that is not at all what meekness is. Meekness is not at all that way. You're not just born meek either. I mean, it's not a personality that you're just born with. I'm, I'm meek, right? I'm just born meek. That's not true. You're not just born meek. It actually is something that is cultivated by the Spirit of God. Meekness actually is a fruit of the Spirit, and I'm going to get to that in just a minute. It's something that happens over time, and how you spend your time with Holy Spirit will determine whether or not you are meek or not. Spending time with God will determine your meekness and your ability to be humble before Him. And here's the thing. Humility is not something that, is, that happens either, just out of the blue. I'm just going to choose to be humble today. Sometimes you're humbled. Anybody been humbled before? Right? I, I remember being humbled before in the weight room. I thought I was all that in a bag of chips, buddy. I could do it. All these people around me just picking up these weights and stuff and throwing them around like there's nothing to it. And I decided, you know what, I'm going to do that. I can do that. And I got with a trainer one time, and the trainer literally killed me. I thought I was going to die. And I, I was so proud because I thought, you know, I can do this, but I was very humbled in the fact that I could not do it. And sometimes you walk in those seasons where you're, you're humbled. And seasons of life actually humble you. They deal with the things in your life that are, you're proud about or you're arrogant about. And God allows you to walk through seasons sometimes. And, and those seasons actually get you to a place where you understand that he is in control and you are not. Amen. So meekness, number one, is about humility and surrender. Like I said, it's not to be confused with a personality, but rather an attitude that is developed through a fellowship with Holy Spirit. Humility is when you place complete control into God's hands. Complete control into the hands of God. You know, a lot of times what we want to try to do is navigate we say we're going to give it all into God's control and into his hands, but we want to try to navigate how we get where we want to go. We want to still stay in control, but we say we're giving it to God and we're, it's in his control. The truth is he wants you to let go. Let go. Humility is about trusting. Humility is not about doubting. We don't doubt, but we trust. Humility is where you surrender your rights and your dreams to pick up his. You surrender your, your rights and your dreams to pick up his. Well, a lot of times we think surrender is more about, we, we do it this way. We're like, I surrender all. We're holding on to something. Matter of fact, if, if you would come up here, Anthony and Tristan, um, I've done this. I've, I mean, you guys have seen this before, this um, trust fall. You know what I'm talking about? And so, um, if you would, I want to, are you going to be the one to fall? Sure. Okay, well, all right. So, 
We all know what surrender is. We all know what it feels to, to surrender. But go ahead. Just go ahead and fall back. Go ahead. Just right now? Yeah. Let's see. Well, well. You see. Okay. You, you see what just happened? I really do trust him, but just I don't, I don't, I don't trust him that much. But see, there's many times that we, we, we deal with this. This is exactly what just happened. We say, God, we trust you, but then we turn around and say, okay, well, hold up a second. That's right. I, I trust you, but I'm not sure I, I trust you completely. Yeah, that's right. So we want to look back and make sure that we're comfortable with it. Mm-hmm. Right? So what we want to do is you hold on to my arm. Now I fall back. You see, it's easy. He doesn't even think twice. He didn't look back. You don't think twice because he's holding on to something that he can see. You surrender is not holding on to what you see. It's letting go and letting God take control. You don't have to fall back. That's, that's enough. Thank you. I don't know that I trust him. Thank you. Come on, give it up for him. But the whole idea of surrender is, is, is letting go and letting God. And it's humility is is giving it over, not giving up. Not giving up on life, but rather giving it over to God. It cannot be confused with the two. When I'm humble, I'm not giving up. I'm actually trusting and believing that God's going to take me through it. Humility is about positioning your heart in alignment with God's will and his purpose. You know, Scripture says in 1 Peter 5, 6, and 7, it says, Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time he may exalt you, casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. Now here in this passage of Scripture, keep that up. It says this, in the proper time he will exalt you. Now, the key is not to be exalted in this passage. The key is about humility. A lot of times we want to read this and we'll say, well, humble yourselves therefore under the mighty hand of God so that at the proper time, he may exalt you. Then you start to get the mind frame that, well, I will be exalted if I do these things. God's like, no, the idea is for you to be humble. It's about humility. And in return, the reward will be, I will exalt you. As soon as you start to gear your mind towards that being exalted, then you lose the art of being humble. I said, the first, when you start looking towards the being exalted part, you start losing the idea of what it is to truly be humble. And it says this, under the mighty hand of God. Humility is about submitting yourself under the mighty hand of God. It's under his plan, under his purpose, under his will. Many times we want to try to get out from under it and do it our way. But when we do that, we're moving ourselves out from under his hand and under, out from under his provision. You know, it, Tithing is a great example and offerings. When you give it over, as many times in our lives that we chose to continue to be faithful in our tithes and offerings and being obedient and doing that. And when we do that, we stay under God's provision. But as soon as we decide we're going to be proud and try to do it ourselves, or maybe, for example, we just don't want to let go and surrender those things and be obedient in those things, we remove ourselves out from under that position and allow ourselves to be out, under his, out from under his provision. In John 3.30, it 
It says, John said this, he said, he must increase, but I must decrease. He must increase, but I have to choose to decrease. C.S. Lewis says this, he said this quote, humility is not thinking less of yourself, but thinking of yourself less. Number two, meekness is not weakness, but it's power under control. Many of you probably have heard that terminology before. Meekness is not weakness, but it's power under control. But who's control? You see, we don't want to talk about who's control. We think, oh, meekness is not weakness. It's power under my control. That's not true. It's under the authority and under the submission of Holy Spirit. That's where you find meekness is under him, under his mighty hand, under his provision, under his ways. And it's, it's power under control. You've been given all authority and all power, but it's where you place that power under his control that determines everything. It determines everything. You know, the Greek word that is mentioned right there in this passage of meekness, the Greek word for meekness is described as a wild horse that's been broken and been tamed. You know, many of us have seen some, some wild horses loose and not able to be tamed and controlled. But see, what it is to be meek is to actually be that strength and have that authority, but yet still be under the harness and the control of Holy Spirit. See, being led by the Spirit of God is not only just holding on to Him and letting Him lead. It's letting Him hold on to you and lead you. Anybody with me this morning? You understand what I'm saying? Number three, meekness grows from the seeds of a broken and contrite heart and a spirit that is empty of itself and dependent on the Lord. You see, the greatest thing that we can do for ourselves is actually admit that we need help. We can't do it on our own. We can't do it without Holy Spirit. We can't do it without the body of Christ. We need each other. It's, it's okay to admit that you can't do something on your own. Because when you do that, you shift from that, that idea of those limited abilities that you have and you're giving the ability over to God to handle it for you. You're, you're, you're breaking down the pride. 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 9 says, But he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. We sang about it this morning. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may rest on me. You know, becoming in that place where you're vulnerable to God, and I, I've shared this before about vulnerability. It's very important for us, if you want to walk in meekness and you want to cultivate meekness in your life, you have to truly be a, at a place of vulnerability. And allow the Lord in. Many times we want to hide where we are because it's, we're dealing with our pride. We want to hide those things in us. Because we don't want, to, we don't want him to see it. And we especially don't want others to see it. And so we, we begin to put up all these filters and all these walls. And, but God's saying, hey, if you just choose to be vulnerable to me. Allow me in. I can deal with that. We can never see God's heart, church, without first showing him ours. You will never be able to know God's heart without first actually showing him your heart. 
Because when you show him your heart, you'll get a, a picture and, a, and, a, and, a, and a, an actual revelation of what his heart really is all about. Our worship makes us vulnerable because true worshipers True worship requires you to lose control and let down the walls of any pride and any walls of self-worth because true worship is about his worth, not your worth. Worship is worth-ship. That's where we get the word worship is through giving him worth. Knowing what to do and where to go with your need determines the outcome of the story and the life that you live. Matthew chapter 11, 28 and 29. Come to me, come unto me, all ye that labor and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek, he says, and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest unto your souls. Where we take our need determines the course of our life. We have to take it to him because he says he's meek and lowly at heart. We have to surrender it all to him. James chapter 4, but he gives grace, gives more grace. Therefore, it says God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. Number four, Holy Spirit produces the fruit of meekness in our lives. But pride and arrogance produce the fruit of the flesh. You know, in uh, Galatians chapter 5, we... We read a lot about the fruit of the Spirit, but many times we, we don't back up when it talks about the fruit of the Spirit. We don't back up and to see what the fruit of the fr- flesh actually looks like. It says this in verse 16. So I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. That's what I was talking about. Let him be the one that's, that's taming that horse and taming that tongue, right? Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. The sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the Spirit wants. And the Spirit gives us desires that are the opposite of what the sinful nature desires. These two forces are constantly, they're constantly fighting each other, going against each other. So you are not free to carry, your, carry out your good intentions. But when you are directed by the Spirit, you are not under obligation of the law of Moses. When you follow the desires of your sinful nature, which is opposite, total opposite of meekness, the results are very clear. Sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of angers. And here's this. Selfish ambition is a product of pride and arrogance and the fruit of the flesh. Dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and other sins like these. Let me tell you again, as I have before, that anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in your lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, which is meekness, and self-control. There is no law against these things. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have nailed the passions and desires of their sinful nature to his cross and crucified them there. Since we are living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. They crucified the passions of their flesh to the cross. They crucified their pride. You see, there's a scripture that says this. I can't think of it off the top of my head, but it says, deny yourself, pick up your cross, 
and follow Christ. Deny yourself, pick up your cross, and follow him. You know, church, that, that should be our mantra. Denying ourselves, picking up the cross, and choosing to follow him. You know, we have to crucify our flesh. It's not, not going to be easy. You know, pre- preaching on meekness is not just a, a very easy task to preach on because it deals with you. It deals with your selfish ambition. It deals with your self-righteousness. It deals with the things in your life that you have to get rid of in order to move in meekness, in order for you to walk in humility. How do we cultivate it? How do we cultivate meekness? We surrender to God's word. The first thing we have to do is choose to surrender to the word of God. James chapter 1 verse 19 says this, Know this, my beloved brothers. Let every person be quick to hear and slow to speak and slow to anger. For the anger of man does not produce righteousness of God. Therefore put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. Receive with humility. Receive the word of God, the implanted word of God in a way that is not about you, but about him. Many times we want to use the word of God for our selfish gain instead of for his gain. And we try to make it about us when it's never been about us, it's about him. You receive with humility the implanted word of God. The implanted word is Holy Spirit making the word come alive to you. The implanted word of God, which is able to save your souls. It's not just about receiving the word, and I mentioned this earlier. It's not just about receiving it, but it's actually about applying it. (laughs) You know, a proud and arrogant individual can receive the word and hear it all day long, but it's the acting it out and actually applying those things to our lives is where the, the arrogance and the pride tries to fight against us because we want to do things for ourselves rather than for him. It's a, it's a fight. It's a struggle. But the truth is you have to receive the word of God with a humble heart so that you may hear it and apply it and do it. Amen? Number two, surrender to God's will. This is how you cultivate meekness is you surrender to God's will. Galatians 2.20, I've crucified with Christ. It's no longer I live who... But Christ who lives in me and the life I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith in the Son of God and loved me and gave himself for me. And then in Matthew chapter 26, I'll share this passage. And just think with me just for a second. This is Jesus. He's in the Garden of Gethsemane. And he is with his disciples and he chooses to move along and move out a a little further away in the garden so that he can pray. And he's, imagine with me the, the, the anticipation or the, the, the thought process that's going through Jesus' mind. He is about to give his life. He's about to surrender his life for our sake. And he is struggling with the, the man part that he was dealing with. He's fighting that, that fleshly part for you and I so that we can overcome. You see, that, that struggle that he was dealing with in the garden... Yes, it was for him, but it was also for you and I. He was fighting for you and I to overcome the pride and arrogance of man. 
to humble himself to the point where he would go to the cross. He laid himself down and he began to cry out to God, if this cup, if you could just pass this cup from me, if you could just let this thing pass because it's going to be so painful, it's going to be so gut-wrenching, it's going to be so hurtful. And see, that's what we deal with in our, our, ourselves. We, we, we have to fight and, and struggle with our pride and our arrogance and realize this, that until we choose to lay it down, we'll never see the will of God fulfilled. You see, he, he chose to lay it down and he said this, not my will, but let your will be done. Not, not, not my ideas, not my plans, I'm willing to die to fulfill your plan. Are we willing to deny ourselves to fulfill his plan? These are questions we have to ask ourselves. Are we willing to deny ourselves to the point where we fulfill his plan and his purpose? Sometimes God puts us in places in our lives where we didn't necessarily want to be but he allows us to walk through it to build our character and he challenges us to grow in meekness. Grow in meekness. I mean, those times that we're fighting like that, we, we ask a lot of questions and then we make even statements, well, God must not love me. I'm in this pressure place. He must not care about me. The truth is, he cares a lot about you to the point where he, he overcame it for you so that you now can overcome I said, he overcame the pride of man so that you could overcome. Amen? Number three, surrender to God's way. We have to surrender to his way. Colossians chapter three says this, put on. Everybody look at your neighbor and say, put on. Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility. He says, put on meekness. And patience, bearing with one another, and if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you, so also must forgive. And above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. Philippians chapter 3 says, Do not or says, do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. You see. When you start to tear down the pride and arrogance in your life, you start to realize the frailty that's in your own life. And you're so thankful for the grace of God. Anybody thankful for the grace of God? Where would I be without him? When I get to that place, you see, humility is realizing who you would have been without him. And choosing to thank him. Choosing to thank him. And when you do that, when you recognize who you are, you start to actually replicate and ex exemplify that towards other people. <laughs> You're thankful that God rescued you. And, and now you start to see, you know, everyone else around me is just as frail as I was. And you start to operate in this fruit of meekness and humility towards other people as well. That's what this is about. It's about growing together. And, and realizing that, that God has rescued you from your pain. And he's rescued you from your, your guilt. You surrender to his will, his ways. 
but you also surrender in worship. You surrender in worship. You, you, you choose to give him everything. You choose to, to allow that, that flesh and that selfish desire to be crucified so that he could be glorified. Amen? So I want the team to come back up, and I, I want us to go back into some worship just for a few moments before we wrap it up. Because if you want to see meekness in your life, like I said, you don't just choose today, I'm going to be meek. I, I've, today I want to be meek, right? So that I will inherit the earth. And with inheritance of the earth, if I could just touch on that just for a second, what does that truly even mean? You see, inherit the earth is a holistic term. It's about heaven and earth because heaven is now in earth. We, God has, has placed his, his spirit inside of us. And now we get the opportunity to inherit both heaven and earth. While the pride and arrogant are trying to still build their kingdom here on the earth, God says that he's going to build a new heaven and a new earth, and that's the heaven and earth that we will inherit. That is the heaven and earth that we want to start looking towards. But if you want to see meekness cultivated in your life and that fruit begin to be cultivated in your life, you have to choose to surrender. You have to choose to surrender and worship. What does that look like? Worship, you've probably heard this term before in the past. Worship is not what we do, it's who we are. Worship is how we live our life. It's a lifestyle. It's, it's, it's the atmosphere I choose to be in. It's the atmosphere I create for myself in his presence. I deny myself and I choose to be with him. I, and guess what? The atmosphere that you live in actually is an atmosphere that begins to, you, you start to adapt to. You start to adapt to that atmosphere. And if you're surrendered in worship and you're creating an atmosphere of worship in your home, in your life, in the in the in the the way that you live and the places that you go, you start to grow and cultivate meekness in your life. And you begin not only to walk in humility, you start to live in it. You know, Micah uh, chapter 6 verse 8 says this, what is it he requires of us but to do justly, love mercy, and to walk humbly? That's what he requires of us. He requires of us to walk humbly with him. But the key is to walk humbly with him. You can't do this by yourself. <laughs> I want to grow in meekness. Of course, we do want to grow in that. But we have to do it with Holy Spirit, yoked up with him. He says in that passage I read earlier, he said that take my yoke upon you and learn of me. Take my yoke. What is the yoke? The yoke was, was, was for the oxen. Where they would be yoked up together and actually plow a field together. But you would put a strong oxen with a weak oxen. And that's, next thing you know, the weak one would, would actually become strong. And so what he's telling you in that is, come unto me, all who are weary and heavy laden. I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me because I'm meek. I want to teach you meekness is what he's saying. I want you to grow in this meekness. 
I want to teach you what it is to be meek. But first you've got to do this. Yoke yourself up with me. So that we're walking together. And when you're weak, guess what? I'm stronger. And I'm going to teach you how to be strong in the Lord. So he says, walk humbly with him means to yoke up with him and move with him. And the next thing you know, you're walking in humility. You see, humility and meekness is not something that is really talked about a whole lot because it, it really comes out of nowhere. When you, when you walk in the poor in spirit, blessed are the poor in spirit, blessed are those who mourn. You see, there's, these, were, these were in order. God didn't do anything just by throwing out words. Until you come to a place where you're empty of yourself and you mourn over your sin and your pain, then you're ready to walk in meekness. Anybody hear me this morning? So in order for us to grow, we have to surrender. I know it doesn't sound like, how am I going to grow if I just let go? You will. That actually rhymed, grow, let go. Would you stand to your feet? I want us to worship on our way out today. And I truly want you to surrender, church. You know, the scripture says this, um, Psalm 34, verse 1 says, I will bless the Lord at all times. At all times, his praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul makes its boast in the Lord. Let the humble hear and be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord with me. Let us exalt, not ourselves. Let us exalt who? Let's, let us exalt his name together. You see, meekness is found in an attitude of gratitude. Church, where would you be without him? Where would you be without Jesus? And when you recognize that frailty in your soul, you offer your life to him and you say, God, I'm nothing without you. I surrender my life to you so that I can become like you when you say you are meek and lowly I want to be like that I want to be more like you